and the story is really about earning your seat at the table. And how do you do that? Because in, in law firm marketing, I worked for uh, as an in-house uh, marketer also for five years. And basically, it was always about how can we earn our seat at the table? And I tell you the secret, it is embrace metrics. You don't have to have a um, you know advanced degree in mathematics or anything, but really only if you measure something, um, you can really manage it, and metrics are more Im uh, important than ever. So really uh, embrace them. Since we're here in so close to Hollywood, I'm not going to show you the video now, but you might have seen the show Numbers, where these this cute uh, um, math professor says everything is numbers, everything is mathematics. Has anybody ever seen that show? Yes. He's really cute, and most of them, my colleagues honestly don't look like that, but maybe I need to go over to the math school. Maybe they're cuter there, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> Who has kids in here? So do you all know this one? Club Penguin, anyone? Yes? What does this have to do with metrics? Have you, uh, do your kids play that? Okay, but did she have, do you know those? So there are, there are penguins here, and those little things are called Puffles, right? What happens with the puffles? What do you have to do with them? You have to, if I remember correctly, she, she had to get them into certain groups and organize them. Into, um, yeah, you can organize, but what the thing is really, and I don't know, um, I didn't play it in the 90s, but the Tamagotchis, anybody had Tamagotchis? No, they were all the craze in the 1990s. It was the same thing with, with these puffles here. They have energy levels, they have health levels, and they need rest. So my son back you know, a few years now, he's 13, of course, you know, he's way too cool to play uh, Club Penguin. But when he did, he had, he had uh, purchased a few puffles, and after a while, he went back in his game, and the puffles were all dead. Oh my God! You should have heard the the wailing at our house, and you know, uh, back you know he was maybe eight or nine. I mean, they can wail really loud, right, about a puffle, and I mean three puffles in particular. So what you have to do is you have to feed the puffles. You have to put them to uh, to rest every now and then. So I mean, metrics are really everywhere. Metrics are are in all sorts of uh, professions. The pilots they have certain um, then on their dashboard, there are certain things they, they when they roll on their, what's it called, the tarmac, the, there are some things that they need to look for, other things when they start get, I still don't understand how airplanes fly, fly but you know, they, they need to look at some things or how to get it up in the air and other things that they have to look at when the, the air is in, the, the plane is in the air and so on. So the same thing is with, um, with uh, the, the metrics that, that we need to do. You know, they provide a measure, they, they really help us manage the law firm. And, and I really believe that metrics can help you earn your seat at the table because, you know, good for us, most lawyers really don't know their mathematics. So I think that we are definitely better than most of your lawyers in the firms. And you know, apologies to everyone who's a lawyer in here. I'm sure you were an exception, but most lawyers that I've encountered, they really don't like mathematics. So start embracing that. Oh, okay, so I, I'm giving away part of this thing here. Because why do we need metrics now? So basically what has happened in the, in the last few years, um, in the, uh, the last decades in the legal industry, you all know about the DuPont legal model with uh, convergence, so uh, the uh, clients use less and less uh, law firms. They were in the, in the early 2000s offshore service centers. 
everybody loves AFAs in here, I'm sure. And, you know, the ACC came out with the ACC value challenge saying exactly what they want. Uh, the real rate report is a is a report that gives you really uh, information on um, all sorts of metrics in the legal industry. I will talk about that later. And then at the same time, and this is part of my other topics because I talk about metrics and procurement today. In the 1980s, procurement became a strategic business function. Why would that interest us? Well, in the mid-1990s, they developed this wonderful thing called reverse auction. Anybody here participate in a, in a reverse or e-auction yet? A few people. Um, you know what a reverse auction is? It's basically like eBay, where it's like, OK, um, 500, oh, 550, 600, and so on, right? I mean, you, you go up in the price. In the in e-auction, a reverse auction is the, it's the, uh, the um, uh, the basically the other way around. It's like, okay, you would do that legal service for, um, I don't know, 100,000. Jeffrey would do it for 95, Holly for 80, and so on. So you basically go down in the price. So that's, that's what an e-auction is, basically. So I'm sure you love that very much to be put in an e-auction. And then in the early 2000s, the procurement function actually became so strategic that they, they became part of the boards of, of many companies. So they, their CPOs um, uh, came up for the first time. And, you know, I've done the last 10 years that I've been in this industry, I've done a lot of research on how clients purchase uh, legal services because I always thought, you know, how can I do good marketing business development if I don't know how people purchase, right? I need to understand what, what they are buying. And in the last two years, I've embraced the, what the purchasing people do. And I have looked into other um, professional service industries. And so, for example, engineering and architecture, they start to be involved in purchasing um, these services in the, in the uh, late 1980s, early 90s. And guess what the reaction was of the engineers and the architects? How dare they? They are not engineers, they're not architects. They don't understand what they're procuring. Well, I spoke with an engineering uh, marketer the other day, and she said, oh, all we do is RFPs. We only work with, uh, with uh, procurement. Marketing, um, marketing services or accounting services, same, same thing. It's a lot about, a lot about um, procurement. And now, basically, procurement has found us, as somebody called it. We are the, um, um, the last holy cow, basically, the last sacred cow that is being um, found by procurement. And so many lawyers are like, ah, Sylvia, you weren't around in the 80s. Well, at least I, mean, I was around, quite frankly, but I mean, I wasn't around in, in law firm marketing yet. You don't know. As soon as the, the uh, economy is going to be good again, <laughs> Who cares about procurement? Well, if we look at other professional services, in fact, that indirect procurement in general, meaning you know all the different services, uh, and um, for example, as as we had a, in, in New York, we had a few uh, months ago a procurement conference, and the the chief procurement officer of a, a medium-sized company, after he spoke, I said, you know, any any last comments, and he leaned over and said, just want to let you know. Once we have our fingers on a category, because legal is just another category, and sometimes it's called commodity. Oh my god, I shouldn't touch this. Um, 
we don't let go. So I think it is unlikely that they let us go this time. We have been outside of their reach for too long. And then also this was supposed to come in last legal operations people. So lots and lots of um, legal departments now have legal operations people. Those are people, I don't know if you've encountered them yet um, a lot, but basically they really look at the invoices in detail down to the UTBMS task code level, and they look exactly how did you staff something, how do you compare your staffing uh, with other um, law firms, do you use, for example, I'm going to show you a few slides now, what do you use in terms of uh, different phases, et cetera, and so forth? So I hope the point is clear why you really need to brush up on your metrics because this is now uh, really a business uh, change that we have seen. So what your client measure, this is a little bit small, and I'm happy um, to give you with, with some handouts. And, and if you give my uh, colleague Holly, can you? Raise your hand. If you give her your business card, I'm happy to give you all sorts of information. But you know, from, from really, they, they break down the span by practice area, by phase, by everything. So those are the kinds of things that clients look at. And they have different dashboards. So basically, you can see exactly, they look at like what are your rates compared to others? How long do you take, um, let's say, in employment law? Right? How, how long will a certain case take uh, uh, working with you versus some others? They benchmark you against industry, all these different things. And so when you fill in your RFPs, you really need to understand that your clients know a lot of that stuff. And by the way, I do want to say that with procurement in the picture, there is a lot of, you know, I shouldn't do that, but you know, a lot of tire kicking going on. They do throw out lots of RFPs now. And I'm sure you have, uh, lots of you have over-eager partners that jump on every RFP and make you sweat over the weekends or over holidays and so on. I can really tell you, because there's a lot of tire kicking going on, you really have to have a process to say, this is an RFP that we want to pursue, and this is an RFP that we don't want to pursue. And one of the things, after having spoken with lots and lots of procurement people, if they don't allow you to contact anybody, to speak with them up front, I can only say don't participate because then it's basically just an exercise to get the rates of the incumbent firms down. So don't even waste your time because you're going to be sitting there the whole evening or you know, you're going to spend so much time for really something that you cannot win at all. A few more things, what your firm measures, and you know, typically those things are measured by your finance departments, whether you know, that's on realization and collection, all these good things, um, utilization. Those are the things typically the, you know, CE, uh, the CFO and COO and the, uh, those departments measure. So a few things what, what, you, oops, what you can do. So really, metrics help you influence people that don't necessarily want to be influenced. They definitely change behavior. You can uh, challenge assumptions. And you can measure your own success. I mean, I would really do it to say, this is what happened with before you. And I love the presentation before about the QR codes. I really want to know more about that. I mean, it's fabulous if you can really show this is, this is how it's happening. Um, and, and this is what, it, uh, what basically your value is that, um, that you bring to the table. I would strongly have, um, suggest to have like 90 day goals and, and have um, metrics that are aligned with the business goals that you have and really you know implant them in your business plan there are all sorts of metrics that i would say you should have but you know those are basically just tallying up activity that's great but it's really only so helpful 
Um, others are, oh, okay, that should have not, this is not uh, just telling up anymore. Uh, so those are um, other um, things that you can measure. And one that's particularly important is, you know, a debrief after you, pro uh, after you won or lost uh, an RFP. That is particularly important with procurement. I would suggest you know, yeah, that very often we might win for reasons that we didn't think we win, uh, we won, and other times we lose when we're like, we should have won that, right? So I just uh, wanted to speak at the LMA conference next year, but I was not chosen, so I'm like, I don't know why. So I don't know if anybody can help me debrief about that. I'd love to know that. But so, I mean, you know, and sometimes you get chosen for reasons that you don't know why, why you won. So that, I think this is one of the really very uh, most useful ones. Other ones, you know, from cross-selling success, we heard lots of great presentations on that and breadth and depth of relationships. I mean, as I said, today, I think we learned so many interesting interesting things. Um, maybe even, you know, track about their their business behaviors and so forth. So really, there are there's a whole lot of things that you can measure. I wouldn't measure all of that. So I mean, if you, um, you can all have my, my slides. Don't try to measure everything. Pick a few things that make sense for you and then, you know, tie them to your business plan and have those goals, track that over time. But don't, you know, don't track too many things. Pick some that make sense for you. What's really important is to create a baseline, to have the, the metrics um, that are aligned with your strategy and then really track. So basically it's the, the typical marketing you know, uh, life cycle. Know where you're at, really decide where you wanna be. I mean, we heard about all those goals, how to change the world. So really, really um, make those changes how you wanna change the world and then do it and then see, well, have I changed the world? And um, some say that supposedly Albert Einstein said that, but I think this guy did probably so many other things. I don't know if he had time to, to say all these things, but at least it sounds good. So not everything that counts can be measured and not everything that can be measured counts. And I, there should be a nice, I don't know if you like Dilbert. But I don't know if you can read that, but I didn't have any accurate numbers, so I just made this one up. Studies have shown that accurate numbers aren't any more useful than the ones you make up. How many studies show that? 87, okay. <laughs> I, um, I've been to lots of geeky uh, conferences recently, so pardon me, last, well, you know, one of the last one was the ILTA conference, so this is, I guess, in line with, uh, with my geeky humor at this point. Um, you know, you really need to be clear about what you measure. And uh, I'm sure Nat, who does a lot of um, client satisfaction surveys, I think it really is, is important to do them well, to have them done by experts, because sometimes there have been studies where the, the uh, people who said, you know, I am satisfied with firm X, uh, from out of 10 had like an 8.57 on average. And you know what the the average was of the people who fired exactly that firm? Any guesses? 8.51. I mean, I made these numbers up, but I mean, uh, they are they are pretty much uh, uh, you know indicative of this. You really need to be clear about what it is you're measuring. So, for example, client satisfaction. Any other thoughts of how you could measure that rather than just asking? Because if I ask you now, um, do, you, do you like my presentation? Responsiveness. Renewal. Responsiveness. 
renewals, yes. I mean, here are some other examples. So a survey return rate, right? I mean, if you if your clients love you, your your survey return rate will be high. If it's low, you know what? You definitely are in trouble. It could be uh, speed of collection. I know of a CMO who just gets one metric each and every day in the morning on his desk from his um, accounting department. It's you know who paid and how long it took them to pay. And uh, so you know, what, as I said, you know, just pick a few things that work for you, and then the uh, that's my all-time favorite: the Net Promoter Score. The how is it that how likely is it that your your clients uh, would recommend you to? Their friends, not their enemies, right? So that's that's really one of the the most important things. So just to oh, I had the the first slide again as as um, the last one. So anyways, embrace your metrics. They will help you earn your seat at the table. Enjoy them, and they're not that scary. Thank you very much.